You're a cat, you know. How can you talk to a bird? Liz turned and gave him a coy smile. And you are a human. Yet this does not keep you from talking to me, no? She walked over and rubbed her cheek across his foot. Bonjour, Patrick. Although you do not know it, I am here to help you find your voice. Welcome to the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, Season 2, with your hosts, Max, Liz, and Nigel. This podcast is produced by Playful World Ministries, a department of ACT International. All of the Epic Order of the Seven characters and adventures were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. And I'm your narrator, Denny Brownlee. By the way, as you listen to this episode from the audiobook The Voice, The Revolution, and The Key, keep in mind you can download your very own copy of it by visiting audible.com. That's www.audible.com. And you'll find the entire collection of Jenny L. Cody's Epic Order of the Seven books by going to her website, epicorderofthe7.com. On today's episode, we'll hear Chapter 3 from The Voice, The Revolution, and The Key. And it's all about that voice, about that voice, <clears throat> uh, today. And also, we'll meet a special little boy on his seventh birthday, whom Liz will help, as we just heard, to find his voice. Later, in Jenny's Corner, Miss Jenny gives voice to why she was so excited to tell the story of Patrick Henry, even from his childhood. And he, of course, later became the voice of the revolution. But before I lose my voice, let's bring out your hosts. Though they don't fight like cats and dogs, nor do they play any cat and mouse games, they are indeed a dog, a cat, and a mouse, who actually play together nicely, well, most of the time. Please welcome Max, Liz, and Nigel. Oh, merci, monsieur l'annonceur, and bonjour to you too, Nigel. Oh, nice to see you too, my pet, but uh, where is our favorite Scottish terrier? Well, he mentioned he might be going to the groomer today, and heaven, heaven knows, knows he, he needs, needs it. it. Uh, but he thought he would be done in time to be ready for the... I'm here, I'm here. Uh, sorry about being a wee bit late. Uh, uh, come on in, lad. No problem, Max. We're just getting started here, old boy. But uh, who is your friend there? Oh, this be me groomer, Helmut. Guten Tag, meine Freunde. I say, your groomer is a German shepherd named Helmut? Yeah, I mean, I... I hope he doesn't make Max's hair look like a helmet. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, well, uh, willkommen, Helmet. Danke. You're welcome. Max, why did you bring him here? I mean, we, uh, oui, Helmet, uh, you are very welcome. Uh, willkommen here. Danke. He's here because he didn't have time to finish me trimming. See? Uh, take a look back here, then. <laughs> <laughs> I see this chap starts at the back and works his way forward, and it would seem his forward progress stopped at roughly the 50-yard line. Oui, <laughs> <laughs> Max, you look très joli as a French poodle. Aye, <laughs> hardy, har, har, then. Helmet, pay him no mind and just finish me haircut. Yeah, ja, we commence with the clipping and the snipping, yeah? Until they have a smile and a tail wagon, yeah? Sehr gut, yeah? Aye, sehr gut, get me tail wagon. <laughs> Mit der singen songen? Mit der was? I mean, uh, with what? Well, I sort of promised him that after me haircut, uh, we might could do a wee bit of singing. Uh-huh, and what type of singing does Monsieur Helmut do? Well, barbershop, of course. What else? <laughs> right, uh, and with four of us, we would indeed be a barbershop quartet, what? Yeah, ja, sehr good, 
Herr kleiner Mausi-Rodent? Ei, but only if he finishes me trimming, right? Mach schnell, Herr Helmet. Ja, ja, ja. And you too, Herr Announcer Lad. Reden Sie das Story, ja? Mach schnell. Uh, jawohl, mein Hund. <sighs> Chapter 3 Forestborn Demosthenes Hanover County, Virginia, May 29, 1743. Sunlight danced through the green canopy of hardwood trees as the gentle spring breeze moved the branches lazily up and down, giving occasional glimpses of the vibrant blue sky above. The forest was alive with the sounds of birds calling to one another, bumblebees buzzing from flower to flower, barking tree frogs croaking out the day's news, and, close by, the rushing waters of the Tatapotomy Creek. The smell of honeysuckle wafted through the air, and young Patrick Henry breathed in the sweet fragrance. It made his mouth water. I can almost taste the air, he smiled and said aloud to himself as he walked along the well-worn path leading to the creek. Better to taste it for real. He followed his nose until he found the honeysuckle vine covering a patch of wild shrubs. He set his fishing pole down and reached over to pluck a bloom. He pinched off the end of the bloom and carefully pulled out the nectar onto his tongue. He nodded. Sweet! He pulled off several more blooms to enjoy, tossing the flower remnants onto the ground. He then pulled off a section of the vine and stuck it in the knapsack draped across his chest. The girls will like these. Patrick picked up his fishing pole and balanced it across his right shoulder as he kept making his way to the creek. Soon he came to a fallen tree that blocked his path. He used his left hand to help himself climb on top of the moss-covered log. He stood there for a moment with a fist on his hip, looking all around from the top of the log as if he were king of the forest. Although no other human was around, the boy knew he was hardly alone. He stood there and smiled, closed his piercing blue eyes, and listened. "'What's he doing?' Max whispered. He, Liz, and Nigel were sitting by a cluster of ferns growing along the bank of the creek. They had been following Patrick since he entered the forest. Liz didn't reply, but just studied the barefoot young boy. He was commonly dressed in brown knee breeches with a white, open-collared, long-sleeved shirt. Liz cocked her head and smiled at the boy's charming features. His sandy red hair was messy and untied, so it fell to his shoulders as he held his head back to listen to the symphony of sounds coming from the forest. His face was rather long and thin, with a nose that was straight and sharp, like the ancient Greeks, but dotted with freckles. Sweet, 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 sweeter than sweet, Chip. Sweet, 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 sweeter than sweet, Chip, a bird called overhead. Patrick kept his eyes closed and pointed to the sound of the bird. Yellow warbler. He then opened one eye and saw the tiny, bright yellow bird with a touch of light olive coloring on its back. Yes, he exclaimed with a smile. He closed his eyes again and continued to listen. A nasally bird sounded off in the opposite direction. Chuck, 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 chur. Patrick pointed right to the bird. Red-bellied woodpecker. He peeked to see the black and white barred feathers and red crown of the woodpecker that humorously poked its head around the tree at him before taking off in flight. By Jove, he's right, 
Nigel declared. Then a rapid-fire chorus of birds sounded as Patrick blindly pointed and named each and every one. Nuthatch! What cheer, cheer, cheer! Birdie, 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 birdie! Cardinal! Bob White? Bob White? Even I know that one, Max whispered. Patrick gave a sarcastic grin, not bothering to open his eyes. Too easy! Bob White! Just then a faint cry was heard above the canopy of the forest. It wasn't bold or powerful, but rather high-pitched and soft. Bold Eagle! Patrick said, opening his eyes and gazing up at the majestic eagle soaring high above him. He followed the eagle as it made long, wide circles that gradually grew smaller the closer it came to the tops of the trees. In its beak, it held a massive stick. Patrick jumped down from the log and went running down the path, continuing to glance up and follow where the eagle was headed. He wanted to see where it would land. Max, Liz, and Nigel quietly followed along behind him, darting around shrubs and trees. Patrick was fast and seemed to know every boulder and rock in his way, careful to avoid getting tripped. Soon he came to a clearing where the creek widened. Patrick stood on a large rock and watched as the eagle landed in a tall tree on the other side of the creek. The boy spied what he was looking for. The eagle was building a nest. I knew it! I knew you lived around here! His eyes scanned the branches leading up to the top of the tree. I bet I could climb up there to see that nest! Uh, the lad likes to talk even though no one's around, Max noted, as they stayed behind a tree on the bank. Uh, perhaps he wants to talk to the birds, no? Liz suggested. And who better to teach him how to try? The time has come, mes amis. I am going to meet my Patrick Henry. The petite black cat put her cute curly-cue-tipped tail high in the air as she sauntered out to the rocks. We'll stay here for now, my dear, Nigel whispered. Patrick threw his line into the clear water of the creek and leaned back on a rock to keep staring at the eagle in the nest. Liz proceeded to jump from rock to rock, walking right past him as if she didn't even notice the boy was there. She found a sunny rock with the water rushing past her tail. She looked up and spied a tiny white and black chickadee sitting on a low-hanging branch nearby. Bonjour, my friend, Liz meowed to the little bird. I wonder if you would be so kind as to have a conversation with me. Uh, my name is Liz, and the maker has sent me to befriend this young boy. He is very fond of birds, and I wish to encourage him to not only recognize your voices, but also to learn to speak to you. Think of it as a voice-training exercise, if you will. Hello, Liz, the little chickadee chirped in reply. I'd be delighted. I'm Pip. I've seen this boy here at the creek quite often. Uh, what should we talk about? Uh, merci, Pip. Uh, why don't you tell me about the creatures that live in the area? Liz suggested. Oh, there are too many to name, Pip answered in her high-pitched chirp. Here in the creek are fish of all sorts, of course. Brown trout, catfish, minnows, sunfish, perch, and smallmouth bass, just to name a few. Uh, lots of salamanders and lizards, bullfrogs, box turtles, slugs, and snails, too. Patrick sat forward and wrapped his arms around his knees with a curious smile on his face 
as he observed this sleek black cat meowing. "'Where did you come from, little cat? Are you trying to talk to that bird?' Liz kept her back to Patrick while she continued her conversation with Pip. "'And, of course, I assume the usual bugs frequent this wet area, no?' Uh, flies, mosquitoes, mayflies, stink bugs, dragonflies, uh, ticks, uh, jumping spiders, etc., Liz offered, her tail slowly curling up and down. Yes, but we have the bad creatures here as well, Pip continued. Be careful with the cottonmouth snakes and the black widow spiders about. Liz smiled, thinking of Al mistaking the black willow tree for a black widow spider. She missed her funny mate. Merci for the warning. Indeed, they are both quite dangerous. Patrick looked from the cat to the bird and back to the cat again. You're a cat, you know. How can you talk to a bird? Liz turned and gave him a coy smile. And you are a human. Yet this does not keep you from talking to me, no? She meowed in reply. She walked over and rubbed her cheek across his foot. Bonjour, Patrick. Although you do not know it, I am here to help you find your voice. Liz meowed. You already listen extremely well, so learn to speak the language of those you already study. Patrick wrinkled his brow at this meowing cat that seemed to be trying to talk to him. I wish I knew what you were saying, he told her. Oui, it would make my work much easier as well, mon ami, for I can understand you perfectly. Liz meowed. But it has never stopped me from helping humans before, so we shall learn to communicate in other ways, no? You shall soon see. Liz sat down next to Patrick's leg. He set his fishing pole on the rock and petted her silky coat as she resumed her conversation with Pip. What large animals have you seen at the creek, Pip? We have a resident beaver and river otter. Raccoon, possum, skunk, fox, and weasel that stop by, Pip replied. Of course they are large to me, Liz giggled. <laughs> Bien sûr, of course they are, for you are quite small. But what about the truly grand animals that come to drink at the creek? We have mainly deer, but every now and then we see a wolf, a bobcat, or worse, a panther, Pip answered. Patrick listened to Liz and Pip banter back and forth. Chickadee-dee-dee, he sounded. Funny, this bird's voice sounds like its name. Liz turned and purred in approval. Boom! Try again. The more you try to mimic the birds, the more you will relate to them. And, of course, the better your diction will be as you listen closely to each syllable. Chickadee-dee! 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 spoke Patrick with a grin at the little bird, not realizing he was following Liz's instructions. Pip hopped to a closer branch. He's trying to speak chickadee, Liz. Oui, he is a fast learner, no? she replied. Uh, please continue. Hello, Patrick. I know you can't understand, but thank you for trying to talk to me, Pip chirped, cocking her head to stare at the boy. I think you're a smart boy. Suddenly, Patrick heard the bobwhite again. He shrugged his shoulders and called out with perfect inflection, emphasizing the second syllable in a higher pitch. Bob White? Bob White? He grinned at himself. Liz smiled and batted her eyes affectionately. C'est magnifique, Patrick. You're a funny little thing, the way you like to talk, 
Patrick said. I don't know where you came from, but I think you should come home with me. This is the idea, no? Liz meowed back with a grin. Max came bounding out on the rocks, barking as something was pulling on Patrick's line. Patrick jumped in surprise at both the barking dog and the movement of his pole. He lunged forward and landed chest-first on the rock, catching the end of the pole before it fell into the water. He pulled back on the line and hauled a dangling catfish out of the water. I got one! Patrick cheered. He sat down cross-legged on the rock and held the fish in one hand. He then pried the hook out of its mouth, careful to avoid the catfish's sharp barbed whiskers. He cast a glance at Liz and then looked the fish in the eye. <laughs> Any last words, fish? He laughed at himself and held the fish out for Liz. He's not talking, but I bet you speak catfish, huh, little cat? I'll take this one home for you. He pulled a string from his knapsack to carry the fish. Max came up next to Liz and Patrick on the rock, wagging his tail. Hey, boy, now where did you come from? Patrick asked, giving Max a gruff pat on the head. If you only knew, Monsieur Henry, Liz meowed in reply. Allow me to introduce Max. He will, of course, be coming home with us, too. You're a sturdy little dog, observed Patrick, looking at Max and then at Liz. It looks like you two know each other. I guess I'll need to take you both home. He wrinkled his brow. I'll have to convince my mother to let me keep you, though. Hmm. We could use a dog around the house to keep the raccoons from stealing the chicken eggs, since we lost our last dog. And you're Scottish, too. <laughs> that should help. The boy smiled, standing up and putting his hands on his hips, thinking this through. And it is my seventh birthday, after all. Seven? Liz's eyes brightened with this news. Joyeux anniversaire, Patrick. How did I not know this? May 29 is a special date I will need to remember. Aye, Max barked. Happy birthday, lad. It will be in our best behavior for your mum, then. Come on, let's go back home, instructed Patrick. Father told me Uncle Patrick is stopping by for my birthday today, so I have to clean up a bit. It's not a good idea to smell like fish with him around. <laughs> my elbow would uh, disagree, cher ami, Liz jested. With that, Max and Liz followed Patrick Henry, while Nigel scurried along behind them, staying out of sight. And waiting for them at Studley would be a courier, delivering all the latest mail, including, of course, a letter from John's cousin David in London. Huh, now you see why I didn't mind bringing me friend Hermit along. Liz be helping wee Patrick to get his voice, so it'll be grand to find our voices then, in one accord. Oui, one accord. Uh, let us hope so. Well, uh, you go find the sheet music. Well, we head to the newsroom for another edition of Nigel's News Nuggets. Greetings from the newsroom. Nigel P. Monaco reporting. As today's focus seems to be centered on the voice, well, indeed, the voice is a rather interesting physical apparatus. Your voice is a collaboration of your lungs with your mouth and your larynx, or voice box, located in your throat. So... The sounds you make are essentially the air in your lungs released into your larynx, causing a vibration of tiny muscles inside the larynx, 
The faster the vibrations, the higher the sound you make. In fact, many of our musical instruments, trumpets and tubas, for example, work in quite the same fashion. Then, that unbridled sound enters your mouth, where your tongue and your teeth, and even the shape and size of your mouth, help to form them into the useful sounds of words and of singing. And while that is a physiological explanation of how your words are formed, it is far more important what you do with those words. And for that explanation, we go to the very start of the Maker's Word. Did you know that in chapter 1 of the book of Genesis, no less than nine verses begin with, And God said... You see, the Maker himself used his voice to make you and me and everything that exists, mountains and oceans, planets and stars. He used his voice to create good things, and he's given you a voice too. Thus, you are to use your voice to say good things and create good things, things that benefit others. We are to use our voices to make a joyful noise. Like this. Huzzah! You see? Quite. For Nigel's News Nuggets, I'm Nigel P. Monaco reporting with my voice. Uh, Merci, Nigel. And uh, speaking of a joyful noise, uh, the doggies have been warming up for the big barbershop quartet number. Me, 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 me. Ja, und me, 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 too. Ach, du lieber. I mean, oh, brother. Well, I'm back. Uh, La, 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 (coughs) la. Well, then. Shall we give the old barbershop tune a go of it? Ah, uh, if we must. Yeah. La. 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 Eh, not bad. This is for you, Miss Jenny, such that it is. Who's the gal that's the corner of stories sublime and tales that can transfer us back into time? Who sure knows her history, frontwards and back, while bringing in mystery and sticking to fact. Jenny, Jenny, the lady with stories aplenty. Once you start reading, you can put them down. Here's Jenny L. Cody, her Thank you so much. Uh, twa'n't nothing. Or maybe very little. Uh, anyway, uh, Miss Jenny, I want to ask you about Mon Henry. Of course, Patrick Henry was my favorite, but uh, why did you start his story with him as a little boy? After all, he was one of the founding fathers, no? Well, yeah, he was, but he was a kid. And so I wanted to show kids today and young readers, look, before they were founding fathers, they were founding children. And it's real inspiring, I think, to know that, look, they were just like you. But how one generation can rise up and change the world and change history. They can change it for good or they can change it for bad. And so it is my hope and prayer that I can inspire you, my young readers, to rise up and find out what is your place in history, to do something great, to make America the best she's ever been. And so... In these chapters of Patrick Henry, as a kid, you're going to see some things that he really did. Patrick Henry really did love to mimic birds and bird calls. 
He really did love to run around the forest in bare feet. He loved to fish. He loved to hunt. Could you sit there with your fishing pole and line in the water and stare at it for hours thinking? I think kids today, we've lost the ability to do that, to be still, to just listen to nature. We're distracted by our phones and our iPads and our computers and podcasts, <laughs> things like that, although this one's okay. But I encourage you, go out in nature. When the weather's warm, take your shoes off. Walk around barefoot. Listen to birds. Get a bird feeder, and you'll be amazed to see what comes to it. These amazing birds that are living in your backyard. So mimic the founding fathers. Be a kid like they were, but also rise up. Teach yourself. Be determined. Learn. One of the things that Patrick Henry did as a kid in mimicking the birds was that he listened. He listened carefully, and then he worked on his diction to repeat what the birds were saying. But that studying of the birds led him to study men, and he understood human nature so well, and that's how he was able to be such a force to reckon with in identifying what motivated men to do what they do. And that's how he became the voice of the revolution to speak the words that would inspire men to rise up and do something great for our country. Oh, Treby and Miss Jenny, uh, perhaps the best way to express our voices is by first hearing what others have to say, huh? Indeed. As the old adage goes, perhaps the maker gave us two ears and just one mouth to remind us to speak only half as much as we listen. Right, Max? Uh, sorry, lad. Uh, what were you saying then? Oh, for the love no. of... <laughs> I were just kidding. I heard you then. Well, anyway, thank you for listening. And thanks to me pal Helmet. Uh, danke schön for the grooming. Oh, yeah. Und auf Wiedersehen. Aye. And now, to wrap things up, let's uh, listen to an answer, lad. Tell us what we'll uh, hear next time around. Oh, you want me to use my voice? Okay, anyway, on our next episode, we'll see Liz, Max, and Nigel basically invite themselves in to crash Patrick Henry's seventh birthday party. Well, that is not exactly how it's... Where they'll meet the entire Henry family and basically just kind of move in. Well, now, this was all part of the plan. And where we'll hear Max say... Mousy's acting cheeky. Hmm, why would he say that? Let's all find out on our next episode. See you then. Once again, the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, is produced by Playful World Ministries, a department of ACT International. All of the Epic Order of the Seven characters and adventures were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. And remember, you can download your very own copy of the audiobook, The Voice, The Revolution, and The Key, by visiting audible.com. That's www.audible.com. And you can find the entire collection of Jenny L. Cody's Epic Order of the Seven books by going to her website, www.epicorderofthe7.com. And I'm Denny Brownlee. Thank you for listening, and join us next time on the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast. Have a grandi! A bientôt, mes amis! Huzzah! And ta-ta! And always remember, you are loved and you are able.